God is good. Mm, is he? <laughs> God is good. And all the time. There we go. Amen. Last Sunday, we began a series about hope, stories of hope in hopeless situations. And we talked about hope within the fire and that powerful story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And for those of you who joined us for small group on Tuesday, we continued that story a bit and actually got the prequel. We looked at Daniel refusing to eat from the king's table. This Tuesday, we're going to continue to look at the book of Daniel and that famous Daniel in the lion's den, which was one of, it's one of children's favorite stories. It's such an iconic, wonderful uh, account. But today, as we continue that series of hope, we look at hope from within the tomb. And if you were here last Sunday, the question, the lingering, important, burning question that we were left with was, can Pastor Mason preach a sermon without talking about a dog or a monkey or a cat? So we'll find out. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear God, this is your word. We open it with awe and with fear. Not because we are afraid of it, but Lord, how desperately we know we need the truth of it. As the opening scripture reminded us, Lord, we live in a world that is full of deception and falsehoods. And it is hard for us sometimes to find the truth in the midst of so many lies. But we come now seeking truth. Speak truth to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Mr. Jones, I'm going to tell you a story about a guy named Mr. Jones, who was the very proud owner of a beautiful chocolate lab. So there's the answer to the question. (laughs) No, I can't tell a sermon without some animal. He loved this Labrador, but if you've ever seen or known someone who has a lab, a, a chocolate lab, a black lab, they're diggers, and they're very mischievous. They like to do things they're not supposed to do, and, and they have a lot of energy, and, and so his dog was like this. So he built a fence around his yard to keep this dog in place, especially because his neighbors had other animals. For example, their favorite prized rabbit that they had in their backyard. So Mr. Jones left his house one Easter Sunday morning, fully confident that he could let his dog play in the backyard while he was gone. And when he returned home, he was shocked, saddened, horrified, dismayed, because in his backyard there was standing his beautiful Labrador retriever, And in his dog's mouth was a dirtied, bloodied, limped rabbit. His neighbor's rabbit. What to do? How can I fix this? Given that we live in a culture that doesn't do a lot with truth, he decides to come up with a deception, a lie. And so he collects the rabbit, he washes it off, cleans away all the dirt, all of the blood, everything. He dries the rabbit off. It looks 
just brand new, perfectly clean, and he puts the rabbit back into the neighbor's yard in the rabbit cage and closes the latch. And he goes back home and he waits. And then he hears it. His neighbor, their car pulls in. He gets out of the car. He can hear the car door close. He can hear the neighbor going into his own backyard. He can hear that neighbor in the neighbor's backyard begin to scream and cry, how can this be? This cannot be. This cannot happen. And so he says, you know what? This is actually an opportunity for me to be a good neighbor. And so he comes outside and he walks over to the neighbor's fence and he leans on it and he says, what's wrong, neighbor? And the neighbor is there holding the lifeless body of the rabbit and says, my rabbit, it can't be. This cannot happen. And Mr. Jones takes his opportunity and says, it's okay. These things just happen sometimes. And the neighbor says, no, you don't understand. My rabbit died three days ago and I buried it right here. Ah. See, what Mr. Jones didn't know is that his dog had merely dug up an already dead rabbit (laughs) and presented that. The world is full of deceptions. The world is full of trickery. And when we talk about hope within the tomb, this is one of the great deceptions that the thief, the enemy, presents to us is that death is the end. The death is it. That's why the good neighbor said, this cannot be, this cannot happen. And we are told that in death-like situations in life, there's no hope. There's no hope. And what I mean by this is not necessarily just death-death. But what we want to talk about today is that there are other kinds of death. There are living deaths that we can find ourselves trapped in. There is a tomb of life that perhaps we feel sealed up inside. So let's look together at John chapter 11, the Gospel of John chapter 11. And the reason we look at this is because it tells us this very powerful story about Jesus' friend, Lazarus. And I'm actually not going to read all of the chapter, um, but the important parts to catch us up to where we will start is that, that Lazarus is a dear friend of Jesus. This is Lazarus, who's the brother of Mary and Martha, who we've heard about before, these sisters that were also very precious and dear to Jesus. And Jesus is not near them. He's a ways away when he hears that this dear friend of his, Lazarus, has fallen ill. He's dying. And you would think that he would be, that as a good friend, he would immediately rush to the side of Lazarus and he has the power of healing in his hands and yet Jesus doesn't. He has a larger picture. Sometimes when we don't understand why things happen, we forget that God has a larger, more eternal picture in mind. Again, Jesus continues to delay, and, and then eventually uh, Jesus hears and, and, and senses that there's been a change. And I love this powerful line in verse 
11. It says, after saying this, he told them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. What a powerful statement. Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go there to wake him up. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will be all right. Jesus, however, had been speaking about his death, but they thought he was referring merely to sleep. So in in life, this is a real tomb moment, a real death moment. The breath has stopped, the heart has stopped. And I think if we want to keep that in mind, but we also want to realize that just as eternity doesn't just start when we die, death doesn't just start when we die. And some of us here today, perhaps we feel like we are entombed by something. We are trapped in a deathly, death-like situation. As Jesus said in John 10.10, the thief comes only to kill and to steal and to destroy. And we might feel like we're in this moment where things are not going right in our personal life, our professional life, our academic life, our social life, in our relationships. Perhaps we feel like things are not going well with our family or with our friendship circles. Perhaps we feel the death-dealing weight of the world upon us, the stress of life. But what Jesus tells us in verse 11, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go there to wake him up, is that there is hope, even in the tomb. Sometimes when I am in those tomb moments of life, it's easy for me to feel like God has forgotten me, forgotten all about my situation. And don't you think that Lazarus believed that as well? Read between the lines. Don't you imagine that as Lazarus is laying there dying, short breath after short breath, he wonders to himself, has my friend forgotten me? And we'll find in a moment that Mary and Martha certainly believed that God and God's son had forgotten all about them. And yet Jesus' words, I go there to wake him up. Hope within the tomb hope within the tomb. We can experience resurrection. You can experience resurrection in your life today. Do you remember if you were here back in April, this is the first sermon series that I shared with you, that there is this power of resurrection that is available not just in death, but in life. So how does that come to be? Let's look at this This full story of resurrection, beginning in verse 17. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. We can just envision this scene of all the women And the friends and the family, the wailing, the weeping, the crying, the grief, the sense of loss and devastation. It's a hard moment. It's a very real moment, isn't it? 
I suspect every one of us in this room today have felt that. The weight of loss, the weight of death, the weight of suffering. In verse 20, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Why did you forget me? Why did you forget him? Where are you? Read the Psalms. If you ever feel that sense of spiritual abandonment, read the Psalms and you will find you are not alone. Again and again, the psalmists, they cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? A prayer that Jesus himself will soon pray upon the cross. But you are not forgotten. You are not forgotten. You are not forgotten. Verse 22, but even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will live and rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that my brother will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. So she gets that. And I think that's almost easier for us to say, yeah, one day things will be right. One day things will be fixed. One day the skies will part and the trumpets will sound and the king of kings in all his glory will step out of heaven onto earth and make all things right. But Jesus is about to blow our minds. He's about to amaze us with this truth that, no, it starts now. It's here. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is among you. In fact, Jesus would even say, the kingdom of God is within you. It's not in some place far away. It's here. It's present. So listen to what he says to her in verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? What a great question. Jesus could be standing here in this room with you right now and say, do you believe this? Do you believe that I am the resurrection and the life here and now. I read an interesting article this week from a Baptist pastor in the U.S. who was dealing with the, the death of his young son. And he said time and time again as a pastor, he has counseled people in times of grief and said to them, love endures forever. And he recounted remembering one of his parishioners, one of his church partners saying, maybe that's true, Pastor. Love endures forever, maybe. And he remember feeling so sorry for this gentleman and, and so shocked by what he said until that moment where he experienced it. And you know, he wrestled with that same question, love never ends, even in death, maybe so. Maybe so, until he eventually got to the point where he said, may it be so, may it be so. 
And then eventually, as God's Spirit worked in his life, and the comfort of hope and life came around him from the body of Christ, the people of God, he got to a point where he said, it is so. It is so. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe it? You know, you don't have to believe it right now. But keep trying. I can think about when my mother passed away. I was actually living here in Germany. My oldest brother had died of an overdose. He was a crack addict and an alcoholic. And it was a tragic experience. And we came home and we grieved and we had the funeral and flew back to Germany. And not four weeks after that, my mother had passed away. And I can identify with that feeling. I said, I remember vividly praying, God, I don't feel it right now. But I know it. Feelings are so fickle. And they come and go. You can eat a bad sausage and feel angry and feel sad. Or your emotions can be, as Mr. Scrooge once said, changed by a blot of bad mustard. But it's what we know. And what we know will change the way we feel. Do you believe this? Jesus asked. She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. When she had said this, she went back and called to her sister Mary and told her privately, the teacher is here and he is calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary get up and quickly go out. And they followed her because they thought that she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Honesty. You know, God can take it. Don't lie to God about how you feel. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. I often share that line in funeral sermons because this whole story, isn't it like an, an emotional roller coaster ride? You're up, you're down, you're up, you're down. You're hoping, you're despairing. That's life. That's the way we navigate all challenges and heartbreak and hardships, whether it be actual death or addiction or a marriage breakup or a child who has become prodigal and we've lost contact with them or when we get into some kind of conflict in the workplace, it's up, it's down, it's up, it's down. But when Jesus weeps, he tells us something. He tells us something important. There's healing in the tears. It's sometimes only through tears can we find hope. And here's something that a lot of Christians will not tell you, but it's the truth. You can hope even in the midst of sorrow. 
You can cry and laugh all at the same time. You can know that God will make all things new, even though in this moment, just as Jesus in that moment, who knows what he's about to do, he knows what he is about to do, yet he still weeps. And you know there is no sin in Jesus, so he's not a liar. He's not just showing us something. He's really crying. Jesus wept. So the Jews said to him, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man kept this man from dying? There will always be people that will whisper these little words of cynicism and and despair and, and anger and bitterness into our ears. Even as we have other people whispering hope. Why did God let this happen to you? What did you do wrong? What's wrong in your life? Why didn't God fix this? Cynicism, bitterness, despair. That's what the world wants to offer. Then Jesus said again, greatly, again, greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave. And a stone was laying against it, sealing it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there's a stench because he has been dead four days. So he's not passed out in there. He's not sleeping. He's dead, dead. It stinks. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Jesus looked up toward heaven and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here so that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out. Don't miss that that rhythm to the story. Jesus said, come out. The dead man came out. Boom, boom. Just like that. His hands and feet were bound with strips of cloth and his face was wrapped in cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. You notice there's a, a, an element of obedience on the part of Lazarus. Here's what I've learned about being a saved person, a person who's saved from sin and sorrow and the death of sin, is that even if God says, Mason, you're healed, you're alive again, come out, I can still say, no, I think I'll just stay right here in this tomb. How foolish. Sometimes God brings us back to life from whatever we are going through, and yet there's something about our human nature to where we feel more comfortable, or we think we do, we feel like we need to stay in our sorrow. And this is true of a lot of things. It's also true of forgiveness. How many times have you heard a blessed brother or sister in the faith say, no, I know that God's supposed to forgive me, but he can never forgive me for what I've done. He said, you're alive, and yet we choose to just sit there in the tomb of death. There's a level of obedience here. Jesus says, come out. 
and the dead man came out. I think that's the second question in this scripture. Will you come out of the tomb when God brings you back to life? In other words, will you come out of that circumstance, out of that way of thinking, out of that that attitude, that mindset? Because I think that we can go all the way back to the beginning of these scriptures that we've been reading today. Jesus stands in our midst and says, I am coming to you to wake you up. To wake you up. Are you in a marriage that's struggling? Jesus is coming to wake you up. Are you a parent who is at their wit's end about how to parent? Jesus is coming to wake you up. Are you someone who's made so many mistakes you don't even know where to start to fix things? Jesus is coming to wake you up. Are you an addict? Are you someone who is filled with anger and rage? Are you someone who is overwhelmed by the stress of your work and your job or the pressure of life and the uncertainties and the unknowns of this world that we live in? Jesus is coming to wake you up. Are you crying today? Are you suffering? Are you grieving? Are you brokenhearted? Jesus is coming to wake you up. And he stands at the tomb of our hearts and says, you, come out. Will we go? There is hope in the tomb, my friends. Would you pray with me? Oh God, you do what cannot be done. You are the one who brings life even when there is nothing but death. You're the one who rolls away stones and opens up tombs and speaks words of hope. Lord, I pray for those who are here today that whatever they are going through, that you would wrap your arms around them and your comfort and your strength. The scripture says that our Help is in the name of the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. May we know that even if we do not feel that. And may we strengthen one another in the love of Jesus Christ and the peace of the Holy Spirit, now and always. Amen.